In episode 10.2 of Unshuffled, we are looking at Paul Bearer's second album. It's called Foundations of Burden. Let's get into it. listeners welcome to unshuffled great to have you back with us or with us for the first time if that's the case we're bringing back the album it needs to be brought back we're doing it well we're trying to anyway uh, you'll get the hang of things as we go through but anyway look i'm your host matt joining me as he always does he's back in japan so I can once again say my man in Japan, Scotty D. Hi, Scott. Hey, Matt. Konnichiwa, as it uh, were. You um, crossed the date line, huh? I did. I did. Yeah. And I lost. So it's I tomorrow lost there, not yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not, not doing this yesterday anymore. We're doing this tomorrow. <laughs> Good. We've got a great band. We really enjoyed their last album. Uh, the band is Paul Bearer. We're on to their second album today. It's called Foundations of Burden. Yeah, the idea, if you haven't listened before, or just to remind you if you have, we're not, this is not a review podcast. We're not reviewing the album, you know, when they're trying to get you to listen to it or you know, telling you to go and listen to it. We want you to have listened to the album before you listen to this. And it's well worth listening to. So, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I'm hoping with you, like, it's well worth a listen. And we want you to come to this podcast knowing the songs a little bit. It's easy enough to find, although it's not on Amazon Music, um, but you'll find it on Spotify. It's on Apple Music, I'm assuming, Scott. Yes. Yeah. And so just, you know, you don't have to hunt too far for this thing. You don't even have to pay any money. Um, but give it a listen. And then, and if you, you know, if you haven't done so already, and then, um, Come back to us when you're done, because uh, this podcast can wait, but you only get one first few listens. Um, you know, so do it before you with, do it before you listen to us, please. With that said, I'm sure Paul Bear would appreciate if you did pay money. Yeah, pay the money, buy the CD, buy buy it off Bandcamp. I did both. <laughs> I didn't want to, but. Anyway, it's a long story, but yeah, if you want uh, if you want the files, and you don't want to have to worry about buying the CD, burning it, and discovering it's got it's full of skips, uh, just download the the um, music files off Bandcamp. Is my recommendation save you the hassle, and you can get. Although I think the CD on Bandcamp sold out, but hang on, look, just hunt around for it, you'll find it. But do that, or at least listen to you know on Spotify. And then listen to us, because we're about to tear into it and uh, have a good old chat. We want you to be part of the conversation, listener. Scott, your, uh, your first big job every podcast is to talk us through the details of the CD and just to, just to sort of fill us in on uh, what you know, release date, all that. I got Line it. I got changes. the Got them Dude, right here. So, so here we go. As you had said in your introduction this is the sophomore album sophomore mm. uh foundations of burden 
Uh, it was released on August 19th, 2014, which, listener, if that's even remotely interesting to you, is less than a week away from the date we're recording this. It would be the anniversary. So it's got a summer vibe, I guess. Uh, it, the, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, produced by Billy Anderson, who also worked with Sleep, High on Fire, did some stuff with the Melvins, Jawbreaker, Red House Painters. Um, the label is Profound Lore, and it was recorded in Portland, Oregon at Type Foundry Studio. The lineup is a little bit, we've had a bit of a shift, but we've got Brett Campbell still on vocals and guitar. We've got Devin Holt, who's on guitar and auxiliary vocals. You suppose that's backing vocals? It's gotta be the same thing, right? And then we've got Joseph D. Roland, who's playing bass, synth, piano and vocal backing vocals and lead vocals and then on drums we have mark Learley, Lyerly, uh who is has replaced both zach stein and chuck schaff who were on their first album we're looking at we're about two years yeah about two years from the first album between album number one and album number two before we get into the sound of this thing, uh, let's talk artwork. Uh, I think they've kept the same guy, right? This is the same dude. Uh, he's got, he, he calls himself Annie Metal Physical now, but it's Sean R. Williams. I, I, um, sounds for me. I think that was the, the same artist as on the first album. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, yes. Yeah, different, different vibe a little bit for this one. Um, it's got like a heart, a giant guy standing in front of the heart thing. I guess there's a, still that sort of feel, that ominous, deathly figure lurking in the background. But um, yeah, it's a bit more sci I think this one's a bit more sci-fi. And um, the CD booklet has something, I don't know if you've seen it. Let me hold it up for you. Oh, it's yeah. sort of fold out. It it's got kind of a tool very. It, well, to me, it brings to mind a Twitter page that I follow called 70s Sci-Fi Artwork. And it, it looks like the cover of a, a 70s sci-fi novel. So the first album had real fantasy vibes, I thought. So we, we spoke about sort of Dungeons and Dragons sort of vibes from the artwork and the content. This one, to me, is um, very classic sci-fi, I think. I don't know uh, how you feel about that. Um, I th you know, I, th I think the artwork and, and the song content, um, and, and I'll, we'll talk about it as we go through it, of course, but this one feels more, it's still classic, still retro, but sci-fi rather than fantasy. What strikes me about their album covers is that the color stands out. Hmm. It's almost like the, the, the dominant feature on both of their albums so far, I, I feel, is the color, like the background. Hmm. And then, and then there's this image that's like superimposed over it, right? Like that first one was like that dark sort of midnight blue. And this one's, yeah. I don't know what color that is, like a red, dark blood red. But there's like clear, like there's so much space. Yeah. Like the, 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 the image is, so, is centered and then all that space is just sort of filled in with color. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I find it interesting. We've got a band picture as well here on the back. You actually see him on this one, oh, right. the first one. It's still uh, monochrome, right? dark. 
but you can make out their, their features this time. Uh, yeah, and um, coming into lyrics, the late. lovely CD booklet. All all the uh, lyrics are printed. Nice stuff. sets the sets the mood nicely uh, for the first song. Now, um, again, in terms of track numbers of tracks, we've got one extra one. We had five on the first one. We've got six now. All very long, uh, except for Ashes. I, I guess except for Ashes, the fifth, the fifth track is quite. Short by their standards, but the others are all around the ten-minute mark. So, not so many tracks, but but uh, very long. Now, um, you messaged me during the listening process about <laughs> your difficulties with these long tracks. You want to just quickly I talk, think, me, talk I, the listener through that text and 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 fill I, in for I, me. I think it's possible this band is exposing some sort of uh, adult onset ADD. I, I get I get distracted. So I'm listening to these songs and I can't, like, I need to, like, it, so I need to clarify. I'm enjoying it. It's an enjoyable experience, but I get, I get lost in the 10-minute experience of a song. I, I'm really having a hard time kind of just focusing and staying locked in. And there are times where it's just like, oh, all right, well, what song is this? Ah, it's still the same one. Hmm. And and so I'm, I'm finding... I am finding that I'm having to to work to stay focused. Yeah. No, it's certainly a challenge. It's not... This genre does challenge the listener. But I think it's okay. I mean, we spoke about it a little bit on the last album. I think it's okay. Like, don't you don't have to... You can drift in and out with this as well. Like, it's okay to do that. Well, what was your response? You said it, this this isn't... This isn't for the TikTok generation. No, it certainly isn't. Uh, no, it's it's for people who read, you know, books written on paper. You spoke about the changes in the lineup. I think the biggest change lineup-wise, I guess it's not lineup, but the addition of a well-known producer and a recording studio is, I think, the biggest change from one album to the next here. And you know, we might perhaps talk about how this album sounds as we dive into the first track. So um, the new format, well, I guess it's not that new anymore. We, we, we're going to talk about four songs in detail, or four songs each. We'll sort of see how we go. It's sort of a little bit organic, this process. But we're going to start with the opener, just to give us something in common to talk about. And then we'll sort of nominate our best tracks, have about, a bit of a chat about that. The grower, and if there's any um, filler, which, you know, I mean, last album... I, I chickened ahead on that one and said there was none, but uh, we'll see if there's anything approaching filler on this as well. Let's start with the opener. Uh, if, if there's uh, nothing else you want to chat about before we dive in. No, let's get into it. You want, you want right, me to take it or you, cool. you got it? Yeah, you, you lead away. It's called Worlds Apart. All right. Um, sounds like a journey I'm song, in, I'm, right? I'm just, it does a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm interested in particular about the first... You know, you know, the first impressions of the sound of this. How, how well, okay, so that was actually sound. the first... Yeah, the first thing that I commented on is that I really... And, and I remember my complaint about the last album is I felt like the vocals were buried in the mix. And you were sort of having to strain yourself to hear the vocals. And this one, I just right off the bat, I can tell that how the vocals are just... They're mixed. They're brought more to the forefront. And there's backing vocals, hmm. which was different from the last one. So I, I just... Right off the bat, I think uh, I, I appreciated that. Uh, it's a solid opening track. 
it, it starts with like a melody. They're really good at finding sort of hinging on this melody riff that they, they kind of keep just thematically coming back to throughout the song. Right. So when I, even in the 10 minutes, when I find that I do kind of get lost, it, they still, they still have a theme that pulls through the entire song. It's, I think, it's 10 minutes and 17 seconds and out of six songs, it's the fourth longest song, right? So it's not even close to the longest song on the track. Yeah. And, and so I just, the, the sound of it, uh, the drums are bigger. The vocals are bigger. I feel like the songs are a little bit more, I don't want to say contained, but uh, sort of thematically held together. And you see all of that from the opening track. I think that this is kind of a good indication of where the album is going. Yeah, I agree with your thoughts on the sound. It is a big sound upgrade. Um, I mean, the last album didn't sound bad, but it certainly had a real 70s tubey vibe to it. This is a much cleaner, much more modern sound, and I, and I think I prefer it. So they've advanced in that way. Also, I think the songs themselves are more complex. The arrangements are more complex now. You mentioned the addition of backing vocals, which I think, which I think adds to it. There's different sections in this, and it's very clever the way it has this sort of... In the middle section, there's a sort of chanting section, like a mournful choir or something with the with the backing vocals, you know, the darkened heart section. And it really slows down like a, like a sad mass or something. And then I love what happens after that because it feels like it's winding down, but then they sort of rebuild the song really patiently, and it's kind of... It kind of curves back on itself and all of a sudden like, oh no this song's moving again and it just sort of sneaks up on you again and and you get a great final verse that you know the climax of the song is fantastic and then it sort of winds down again after that with you know two minutes of intricate sort of solo guitar noises in the in the windy down outro bit um so it's great i really like this song i feel like it's a great showcase of how how far they've come from from the first album. Lyrically, again, the sci-fi vibes here. So this one reminded me of one of my... The themes in this reminded me of the themes in one of my favourite science fiction authors, Ursula Le Guin, who is from uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, I think, coincidentally. Whether that's their inspiration or not, I'm not sure, but there's certainly some sci-fi and and particularly Ursula K. Le Guin vibes I get from the lyrics and, and uh, you know, the themes here. And it's great. And it leads straight into the next song as well, but we don't have to talk about that now. What we need to do is nominate our favourite track on the album, unless that was it for you, unless Worlds Apart was yours. No, it was not. What, what was? Well, so I, I was torn on my, between my killer and my grower. Um, I was okay. trying to, I, I knew the two songs, but I was trying to figure out which was which. And I think my killer is Watcher in the Dark, track three. Mm-hmm. And I think what really kind of set that apart for me is that it's, um, I really like the back half of the song. Mm. Like they really kind of in the back half of the song, uh, they find this groove um, the bass really stands out. It's the bass, isn't it? Yeah, it is the bass. The bass. It, it is the bass. And then, but the but there's like, and I'm going to comment on this. I think a little bit later. 
but the way that there's the guitar solo and the guitar solo is doing its thing, right? Does what guitar solos do. But there's this really cool bass riff that he's playing underneath. It's the way that he's layering sort of the bass underneath the guitar. And then the way that the drums all just lock into it. And there's just kind of the way that they just sort of jam out the last half of that song is what ended up setting it, putting it as my killer track. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about it too because this was my nomination for my grower. Um, so, you know, I'll talk about it in that context. I knew you'd love the bass there. And it's, to me, it was very geezer, you know, that sort of, those walking bass, like, yeah. but, uh, that yep. stuff I loved from, uh, yeah, it was the second half. I think it was the six, <laughs> we took about the second half of the, of the song from the six minute 30 point onwards is the second half. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, the start's slow too. The start's great too. This it, it's Sabathian as well. The, the lyrics here, it's still sci-fi, but more. This is about some cosmic, you know, horrifying cosmic being drifting through the cosmos. So I guess it was more uh, Lovecraft than than Le Guin uh, lyrically. Um, Lovecraft or Tchaikovsky. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah, just that bassy bit, that 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 bit at the end. I, I thought you'd like that, and uh, it grew on me too. So you know, first listen, I it wasn't one of my favourites, but I found myself more and more just looking forward to it's coming soon, the the bassy bit, <laughs> and getting all excited, and then you get those nice wind chimes to finish. And uh, then it le- that then leads in, and then in four songs. There's no gaps between them. Um, the first four songs, <coughs> excuse me, because that then leads into my killer track, which is track four, "The Ghost I Used to Be." Um, so let me just chat quickly about that. For the record, um, that's my grower. Oh, there you go. We can both chat about the ghost <laughs> I used to be. Quite different in theme, this one. This one, the first three had sort of sci-fi vibes. This one is, um, it's, it's about regret and, and dying. <laughs> it feels much more personal, I guess, the lyrics here. I noticed they do mix the lyrics up, the lyric writers. Um, I'm not, I don't think they did that on the previous album. So there's, a, there's two lyrical contributors. Now, uh, this, this again has some really good bass work in it. Um, <laughs> but the biggest shock on this album happens in this song. Just after he sings The Ghost I Used to Be, very beautifully, I might add, they rock out. Like, this, I don't know, like about a minute or so of just this killer stoner rock groovy riff, and I, I love that bit. Um, I mean, can we get a Paul Bearer side project where they just play rocking riffs like that? That would be amazing. Just like a, a stoner <laughs> metal... Paul Bearer. Yeah, it would be great. Anyway, um, they, they do return. Uh, it's got a great opening, and then they return to that later on, which, you know, it's, I like the fact that they, the song cra- songwriting craft to have these recurring themes and, and a beautiful outro. There's a nice little acoustic solo we bit in the middle. So lots of different elements here, and I guess it's the variation that makes this stand out as my killer track. I guess this was the single. Was it? it? Yeah, I got NPR. It was featured on NPR. Can can we? Do we have a Google Wrangler out there that how many Doom bands have been featured on NPR? Uh, I, I'd like to know. 
Um, yeah, no, I don't. This was, I was just both songs. I, I, and I think that it was there. They're just key moments, sort of buried in those ten minutes, where it's just like really kind of jumps out at you. And and that was where I was torn. I wasn't sure which was my killer and my grower, and I, I ended up maybe even somewhat arbitrarily. This this was my grower, but it was funny that we both came at this with the same two songs, mm. um, which I guess leads us into the filler. Mm. Which this is where this is where I'm going to cop out, right? Um, because my filler is it's all right. I copped out on the last album, and I'm kind of copping out but, on this one too. Well, my filler and my standout moment are the exact same thing. <laughs> and, and, and I'm calling it the filler, but I don't think it's a filler in a negative way. I think it's a filler in a way that it, it doesn't, it definitely stands out. I'm talking about ashes. Um, right. And I don't, it's, I don't think it's filler in a negative way at all. In fact, I, I, I really like it on the album. Like, I really like it. It, it, it's. I really like that it's on there. It's way different than anything they've done up to this point. Uh, it, it seems that it was written mostly by the bass player, Joseph D. Rowland, who plays piano. He sings on it. And I'm just, I'm curious to know what was the conversation? Like putting this all, putting this song on the album feels like a bold move to me, right? In the band's mm. repertoire up until this point, they've got ten songs, eleven songs, mm. and this song is so vastly different. And so, I, like, what what was it when he walked in and said, "How about this one, gentlemen?" Like, what they were like, "Oh yeah, all right," mm. but. But it were I mean, it feels bold and it's definitely different. And and I like that it's on the album and I don't think that it's filler in the negative sense. It's definitely stand out, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it does stand out. Um, one of the album reviews I read, and we'll pop a link to a few decent album reviews in the show notes, compared this to uh, Laguna Sunrise, Black Sabbath. So, you know, Sabbath had these little musical interludes and, and, and moments of, of peace scattered throughout their first few albums. Quite Some quite beautiful stuff here and there, mm. little Iomi, you know, just sort of classical pieces that he played. And um, This, uh, I think, served a similar purpose. My only question was the placement. I would have liked this perhaps a little earlier in the album, perhaps between tracks three and four. Um, because by this stage, you know, we've had, we've had 40 minutes. Like it would, I felt we could have used the break a little earlier. That was my one complaint is that this, the end of this song and the beginning of the next song, it, the, to a song following this with a little bit more of a kick to bring it in would have been right. Just to give it a little bit more oomph. Anyway. Yeah. And just one final thought on ashes before I talk about my filler, um, the organ sound reminded me very much of No Quarter by Led Zeppelin, uh, mm. which I believe was a Rhodes electric piano. Now, I guess you don't actually need to buy a Rhodes electric piano these days. You just play it on, a, on any old keyboard and tell your computer to sound like a Rhodes electric 
piano, which I, I, I don't know if that's what they did, but it had very, it did very much have some no quarter sound, sounding sort of, uh, you know, nostalgia for that song. Um, and again, that seventies throwback sort of uh, that we we get a bit of that here and there, quite a lot of that actually with this band. Um, my again, you you you've sort of changed the filler. Let's just. I don't know. I think we need, we need to be flexible with filler because it is a very negative sounding term. I'm going to call it not so much a filler but a failed experiment, and that's the last track, "Vanished," which uh, was my least favourite on this on the album. This one kind of meandered a little bit for me and never really got going. They tried something here with time signatures. There's three distinct parts to this song. There's a four-four first sort of about half of the song then there's a six eight section and then the last few minutes of the song are in three four time and um so i guess it's the most proggy they've been and you know in terms of experimenting with, with time signatures so you know good on them for tr- having a go at, at, at uh mixing it up and and getting a bit progressive but I don't know, 3-4, I never, never liked 3-4. We had a ghost song in 3-4, remember? Um, off uh, Infestissima. Secular Haze, I think it was. Ah. <coughs> and and um, Ghost also used 6-8 a, a little bit in their first couple of albums. But I don't know. I think, uh, I, I guess after you just play enough songs, like, well, what can we do different? We've just, everything's sort of been slow and heavy. Is what what can we do? Well, let's try three, four. And I, I understand the, the attempt, but to me, I don't know. Three, four, never. I never find myself going, yeah, three, four. <laughs> um, and so the last song just never really grabbed me. So I don't know. And, and that's why I thought Ashes maybe was not well placed because it led into this sort of what I thought was a failed experiment rather than one of their stronger songs. Yeah. Um, interesting finish. But, yeah, like, there's enough strength. I just think in those first four songs, just if we want to just talk generally about the album, those first four trong- songs are magnificent. And there's, like, there's no gaps between any of them, as I mentioned. There's a, oh, there's some wind chimes that lead into the ghost I used to be. But basically four 10-minute songs that are just sensational and... Uh, this band hit some real sweet spots with me. I love the heaviness and the, you know, the, the fact that they've cleaned up the sound here and they've kept that beauty. And, and I used the word majestic on, on the previous album and, and I get that feeling again on this album. It's a beautiful, beautiful album. And um, yeah, really liking Paul Bearer so far. You got some general thoughts? No, I, I mean, I kind of sort of what I talked about at the top, just the, I, I am enjoying it. It's not really uh, a summer jams album. No. It probably was good on the, uh, was probably good on the plane though. I imagine. It was good on the got plane. got the kids to sleep. Yeah. yeah. We've got a few more things to talk about yet too, don't we? Yeah. 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 But no, you're right. When it, when I was on the plane and I was, I had to be sort of focused, it was definitely a lot easier, um, yeah. which this is okay. So here's, I guess, as we're getting into that then, do you have something for what were they thinking? 
Because I'm itching to jump into notable lyrics. Uh, well, have you got a standout moment first? Because mine's clearly going to be that the rock out bit in uh, The Ghost I Used to Be. Oh, mine was Ashes. Sorry, I was combining my, my standout moment and my, my filler were... That was okay. my, my... All right, well, let's see your standout lyric then. Um, so the notable lyrics, uh, I went with two of them. First off, just structurally uh i like what he's doing in ashes um the just doing playing with head rhyme right on that second line of each stanza mm -hmm. uh where just using words like sift uh gift drift um and then the repetition there's like a repetition repetition of a preposition plus the ashes there's like a formulaic a, a poetically structured formula to the second line of each stanza and ashes. And I kind of, I, I don't know. I like that. I thought that was a cool idea. Um, but then the other notable lyric that had jumped out at me was foundations hmm. and it was the lyrics to foundations. And I think it jumped out at me and it was actually foundations and watcher in the dark. And when you were talking about Lovecraft and I had thrown in Tchaikovsky, I was reading as I was listening to this, the children of time trilogy by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Yeah, yeah, I've read the first one. Okay, so I was actually reading the second one. Um, not, not to one-up you, but uh, I, I was reading the, I think it's Children of Memory. Yeah, well, then uh, I was reading the third one. So. <laughs> I'm reading that one now, so there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just this idea of um, rumors of our future, we shall build here in this cursed place, cruel structures. Uh it just, it, it all sort of reminded me of that, right? The, the, the people kind of, they're, they're floating, they left earth to find this new place where they can inhabit and sort of floating around in space and having to come back to earth. And then this is sort of watcher in the dark, uh, branching, not to be too literal, but branching, branching web of space and time and talking about this thing with 10 million eyes or whatever, when they go back to earth and the spiders have taken over. And, and they have like literal like web structures that they've built around the, the planet. Mm. Anyway, that was it. So lyrically, tracks two and three seemed to perfectly mirror what I was reading at the time. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's interesting that we, we haven't even spoken about Foundations, which is such a good song. Yeah. And I mean, a title track of sorts, but uh, it shows you how strong an album this is. Um, but I think my standout lyrics are from Foundations as well. And it's the same thing, that we shall build here in this cursed place. Just that epic, you know, rise and fall of civilizations, that, you know, that uh, um, only music like this can, can sort of match, you know. This is sort of uh, epic music and, and the lyrics are suitably epic in, in, in scope to, to match it. So, yeah, really liked it and loved the second song. It was unlucky not to not to be my killer. Yeah. Um, I got it. You got a what were they thinking? No, I don't. I, I don't. I'm just I going three, four for that. Three, four time. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. And I did. I, I went through and tried, to, and I couldn't. I didn't have that moment of mm. just sort of, well, why did they do this? Mm. But you clearly did. So that yeah. fills that in. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you want to talk band Brownlow? Yeah. yeah. So my 
Uh, one spot goes to one Brett vote. Campbell. My one Third vote. Third best performance. Third best performance goes to Brett Campbell, vocals and guitar. My second best goes to Mark Lierly, Lierly, the drummer. Welcome to the band, Mark Lierly. Um, I just I think that the the drums are there. They're present. They're holding the whole thing together. So well recorded. So well recorded. And now. There's going to be no surprise, but there will be an explanation. <laughs> That's the bass player. <laughs> Sometimes the hold up. Sometimes the bass player is the least musical member of the band, right? Um, I, probably case in point with myself. Um, and sometimes where you find out that the bass player is actually probably the most musical member of the band. And I really, this album, I feel like I really got that sense of that Joseph D. Rowland is like a legit musician, right? Yeah. I don't think he's just some fella who picked up the bass and started plunking along. Like I, there's legit musicianship happening here. Um, and, and it stands out in, as I said, kind of just those underlying bass riffs that happen in just several of these songs. I think I talked about it more specifically in uh, Watcher in the Dark. Uh, no, uh, Worlds Apart. Yeah. But um, it, and it happens throughout. But then also just the, the, the composition of Ashes, I, I think really kind of showcased his talents. So anyway, my, my three votes go to the bass player, Joseph D. Rowland. Yeah, well, well deserved too, I, I think. Um, I'll talk you through mine um i do have some thoughts uh let me talk you through my th votes first and then I, I do have some thoughts though on um the this process compared to doing this on the first album so um i'm going to give one vote to it's either the drummer or the sort of you're gonna to have to help me with the names here the cd yeah. It's too dark on the CD in booklet to read. Um, but uh, let me give it to the drummer. I do think, yeah, the drumming is great here. Nothing, you know, nothing super tricky or anything, but just really nice grooves and um, so really good sound. So the drummer gets the one vote for the third best. I, I like your thoughts and I agree with the the bass on this album and um, and the other artistic contributions that the bass player made um, was he the lyric was he the other lyric writer yeah yeah so, so. he's clearly stepped up in terms of his his creative contributions uh, and also just you know it was just so much clearer on this on this album and, and um, I love those geezery walks when they're jamming out uh, up and down the bass um, but I'm going to have to give my three to the same guys last time, the, uh, the singer. And I think he's lead, like he tends to take the lead as well. So uh, we didn't really talk about his vocals that much. You spoke about them being more forward in the mix. But I think he's a really good vocalist and stands out in this genre. Um, and he's, you know, he, he sounds more confident on this. And maybe it's just because he's mixed better, but... Uh, I think he's coming to turn. He's starting to understand his own talents. Mm. And to me, that's what sets Paul Bearer apart from the other 
you know, really good bands that I've heard in the genre. It's it's their trump card. Um, and, and or the ace in the pack. We don't want to use the the trump word anymore, but um, the, it, it's their. Um, yeah, I think that's their their really strongest selling point. Is like, yeah, it's doom, but you know, this guy can sing, and um, even people who might sometimes be turned off by the growling, aggressive vocals of some other bands will sit back and say, "No, this this is good. I, I like this." Um, so yeah, he gets my three votes. But just the extra thought I had was, I just adding. The, the this Billy Anderson guy, who's clearly a big name, and, and really tidied up the sound. Really, um, and and I think one of the things that makes this album stand out much more than the previous one, or such an improvement on what was already a really good album, is that we can now see the four distinct personalities of the band members, and we start to feel we get a feel for who's doing what when whereas on the previous album it was like one big heavy mass here we get the the different personalities of the different band members shining through it's like like you do when you listen to black sabbath like like if you ask who is the most important member of black sabbath what's the answer you would say you'd probably say geezer knowing you but uh <laughs> but like the i, I think I mean, the answer I'm is have to say no, Tony there's Iowa, no right answer yeah okay. Oh, okay but i meant i meant that that's what i meant there's no answer <laughs> but and you know i mean they're all such talent like ozzy well, i'm talking ozzy era here but you know such an incredible vocalist you've got this amazing riff machine and, and great guitarist and you had geezer but the drums of sabbath as well i mean you know and it's and it's the I get that feeling on on this album, that in this Paul Bearer album as well, is, is um, it, it's the distinct talents of these various band members clearly recognisable, and then you know so well produced that they just come together so well and make a really nice finished product. And have you got any other thoughts? Anything to add? No, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I feel like the band is is is. I think I feel like now I got a sense of what, where they're going, where this is going. And I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious to hear the next one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, They're certainly on the upward trajectory. And uh, I think this was the first album that I think was, this was a sort of uh, where it really started to take off from with, with this foundations album. And the next, what do we got? Two left. We've got two left. Yep. And yeah, the not- next one is called Heartless, yeah. and there's a Japanese-only version of the band, or of the album, I'm sorry, that has uh, a Black Sabbath cover and a Typo Negative cover. Oh. Do you know anyone in Japan that could be able to... <laughs> I'm going to look. I'm going that to down look. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm supposed to go to Osaka next weekend, and uh. I'm going to put this on my list. Okay. Cool. I'll let you know. I'll let you yeah, know. I mean, Discogs might be another place for you to look. Um, cool. Yeah, I think I'm expecting big things. I, I think they've, they've they've really sort of nailed it with this album, and I think you know 
be interesting to see where they take it now that they've really got their uh, their, their groove going. So, um, yeah, big things to look forward to. Um, I think they're touring at the moment, so there's no danger of any new album anytime soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, so two to go, and I've, I'm expecting big things. I think they'll be great. Anything you want to share from your last... Since I spoke to you last, you've, you've survived the, the smoky haze and then the floods of Vermont. Yeah, that was a, it's, it's been an interesting summer and I'm, I'm not sure if this is like an ominous sign of just things to come. This is now sort of the, the epoch that we're existing in. What, 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 there's a name for it. Anthropocene, I think we're like, they're trying to identify uh, when, when was the exact point that man basically started messing things up and i think they're narrowing it down to like the 19 the 19 late 40s early 50s with uh nuclear testing yeah didn't they find something in a crater or like a lake or something that said that's it that that shows that i don't know we're showing a it was some new story Right. This, is, this is my knowledge of things these days. Something happened about that. <laughs> there was a guy. <laughs> did, he did a thing. Just, just look it up. <laughs> um, anyway, so I don't know. Is this is is this just it? Is this what I we, think we, my theory is? This is just a this is just a really unusual um, one off summer, and it'll all go back to normal next next summer, and everything will be fine from now on. I think that's. But, <laughs> Is that it? That's what's going to happen. Because nothing's gone back to normal since 2016. <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty sure we're, we're okay. I don't think there's anything to worry about. Like, I don't mean to be a harbinger of doom here, but I am, I am born and raised a Chicago Cubs fan, right? My entire life, my family, I go back generations of Cubs fans. We would get, and it was when the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series, the planet went to shit. Yeah, and my team, Richmond, won in 2017 after a uh, you know, 40-year drought or something. So I, There's something to it. Right? Cubs win the World Series. Donald Trump becomes president. We just drive off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to get political. Uh, um, anyway, so you, you survived anyway. You, you're back in Japan. I made it. I'm back. Uh, Fearful of what next summer will look like. Uh, Oh, well, nothing, uh, there's no natural disasters uh, like that happened in Japan. Well, I'm just saying, we've had plagues, right? <laughs> started, this whole thing started with the plague, and then yep. we had biblical floods. Yep. I mean, I need to I need to catch up on my, my Bible reading so I can know what's coming up next. Just listen to The Four Horsemen by Metallica. Um, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right, good. Oh, well done. Well done getting back to Japan. I'll, I'll be heading back to Portugal soon. My first job, though, is to walk from one side of the old city of Bologna to the other at uh, 1 a.m. And if there's a bar open, I might stop in and have a beer. Ah, look at you. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> That's, I, I'm, I'm jealous of that. I'm going to go home to some restless children and make breakfast. <laughs> Oh dear! All right, good luck with that. We got, uh, we got. I might even put the next Paul Bearer song in my headphones as I wander the streets past the 
through the Portici, past the Asinelli Towers, listening to, what's it called? Heartless. 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 Heartless, I think you'll find it's pronounced, Scott. Heartless. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't see an R in the word heart. Do you? No. <laughs> I do, actually. It'd be heatless. H-double-A-T, heart. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right look thanks thanks listeners um thanks for sticking with us we're getting we're getting a growing audience um oh, we had an email. god i've got a I've, hang on we had an email did you know about this have uh, i told you this i i don't know i i'm not sure well, let me, let me I feel, I feel read like... the... It's our first ever email that's not... Um... Oh, you did tell me about this. Yes. Yeah, how I'm did so we, excited. How did, we, how did we not lead with this? Yeah, we should, it should have, we've buried the lead here. Um, I've got to find it. Uh, here it is. All right, this is... Oh, wow, we've got another email. We've got two emails. Stop from, it. The, from, the... from the same guy. Um... Wait, that cut that. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the first non-Martin Popoff uh, spam email we've ever had. And it's very, very interesting. It's from a fellow called Matthew Melvin. You heard of this guy? I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, it says, fellas, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. In celebration of the upcoming Doom series, I'd le- like to leave you with a song for one of my favorite Doom bands. It's not Paul Bearer, but Doom... Nonetheless, okay, it's actually more groove meets doom, but still damn good. Rock on till the next episode. So uh, there you go, Matthew Melvin. What's the song? uh, Well, I've just clicked on it, and we'll link to this in our show notes. It's Cathedral. Ah. And the song is Ride. So we're going to link to, in honor of our first ever email, and uh, my, um, what a, what a momentous occasion this is. We will pop a link. Thank you, Matthew, for sending that in to Cathedral's Ride in the show notes for this episode. He's also um, sent our second ever email, Matthew Melvin. He sent uh, the, the best Death Doom albums of the last 10 years as nominated by Yegor Seven in From Fires in the Distance. So I'll pop that. Thank you, Matthew, for that one as well. So we'll pop that link in the show notes as well, and we can perhaps use a band or two of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, in future, when we're trying to find a new band to listen to. Have you put that in the show notes yet? Uh, no, not yet, but I will. Not yet. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious to read it as well. All right. Well, thank, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. And uh, listeners, it's that easy. Um, if you want to... If you wanna, uh, Get a little shout out. Just send us, drop us an email. Uh, our email address is unshuffledpod at gmail.com. Uh, show notes will be on our website soon, unshuffledpod.com. Uh, you can catch us on X. Uh, our X handle, it's Twitter for those who haven't caught, caught up yet, is uh, at unshuffledpod. I don't know how much longer I'm going to stay on this. 
this damn thing. But uh, we're there for now at Unshuffled Pod on Twitter. Thank you, Smallstone, for the great the use of the great uh, track Vanguard. And the band is Seven Planets. The album is Explorer, and Smallstone are a fantastic label. And Seven Planets, great band, well worth checking out. Uh, some groovy instrumental stone rock, really good. Um, and thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure talking about the second album from Paul Bearer, and I'm looking forward to the third one. Yeah, no, thank you, man. And I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get started right away. Well, I'm yep, breakfast. Me too. Yeah, I'm going to get started too, wandering the streets of Bologna. And uh, thank you, listener, and thank you, listener Matt. Thanks, everyone. Bye.